Welcome to For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast that dives deep into important topics and fosters understanding by exploring captivating interviews with diverse guests, where we discuss how their unique experiences have shaped them into the individuals they are today. This podcast is committed to having honest and thought-provoking conversations to arouse curiosity and convey essential messages of empathy, inclusion, and diversity, one conversation at a time. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to be welcoming Lindsay Holden, co-founder of Odell, a revolutionary and award-winning brand disrupting the hair care space. In 2020, Lindsay, alongside co-founders Britta Chatterjee and Shannon Kearney, launched Odell, a clean, inclusive, and salon-grade hair care line designed for everyone who shares a shower, regardless of age or gender. Despite debuting during a global pandemic, Odell achieved profitability within the first six months and is now featured on shelves at major retailers, including CVS Pharmacy, Ulta Beauty, and Target. Before making waves with Odell, Lindsay honed her skills during an eight-year tenure at Target, serving in various buyer and merchandising manager roles within the domestic and home departments. Her early career included account manager positions at Serta and Corbis, providing valuable insights into what constitutes a great product. Today, Lindsay helps lead Odell, the dermatologist and pediatrician-tested cruelty-free line that aims to nourish and fortify hair and promotes overall health. Before we dive into today's episode, I have to thank the Odell team and Lindsay. They were kind enough to send me both the smoothing shampoo and conditioner, as well as the purple shampoo and conditioner to test out on my hair. And I have to say, after four months of using the Odell products, I'm absolutely in love. As someone who spends way more money than I should on hair care products, Odell's quality is right up there with any of the high-end salon brands. After taking the Odell product quiz, the products that were sent to me definitely have helped my hair grow, be healthier, have a better shine, and overall a better feel. I'm so happy with the results and definitely am now a Odell fan for life. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely check out Odell's website in this episode's show notes. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on For Your Listening Pleasure. You are one of the co-founders of Odell, and we're going to dive into not only the product line, but how you guys kind of got there. But one thing I really enjoyed when we spoke last time is you went to the University of Michigan for undergrad, and then you went into sales. Can you talk to me about what that experience was like? Because the sales you went into, I feel like if you told some Gen Z what your role was, they would think it was a little obscure given where we are with our tech world. That is true. Well, thank you for having me, Mallory. It's really nice to be here. Um, and go blue, uh, gotta fit in there. You, you brought up Michigan. So yeah, big fan. Um, yes, out of undergraduate, I studied, um, organizational psych in undergrad. And from there I have, I have a history of graduating at like the most awful times to find a job, both from undergrad was like com boom, you know, and then bust and then, um, graduate school, like the whole financial crisis. Um, but out of undergrad, I didn't, know what I wanted to do. And one of the first opportunities that came my way was with a mattress company, sort of mattress company. And so I ended up um, calling on different retailers, um, lived in Chicago. I kind of picked the city first and then found the opportunity um, calling on different retailers. 
um, to sell mattresses at the time. It was before any digital mattresses, you know, sales G2C wasn't really a thing. Um, and it was a really, you know, um, there's a lot of information that you don't understand when you like consider a mattress purchase. Um, how does it feel? What's inside? And I was coaching uh, different retailers in terms of maximizing their sales, um, driving all over, all over town to do so. So yeah, went from retail to then again, I really, you know, just kind of have a natural tendency for sales. I ended up in a more creative sales capacity with a company called Corbis who licensed um, photography. And again, that was before kind of um, the very, you know, images were super accessible. Like now we're just inundated with them. But at the time it was really um, an option for brands or different creative ad agencies to license photography for their creative needs and uses. Um, and honestly for editorial needs and uses as well. And so I ended up, you know, taking my sales experience in retail and moving it over to, um, that agency side where, um, it was super fun. We just got to help people realize their vision, like through visuals and, um, again, then the internet exploded and those, that medium became very wide, widely accessible. And so that was, you know, another time of reckoning where the company had to say, okay, like what's the next, what's the next chapter? Well, you hit on something that I think is so unique. I also grew up in retail. I worked in retail for well over a decade mm-hmm. and also have a background in psychology, but I have always said that in order to really understand people and marketing and sales and just all the components that really go into a career, having that background in either retail or hospitality is Mm -hmm. a training that you can never get again. It is so essential, especially when you are thinking about a product and a brand, because if you're working on the floor of a store, you represent Mm -hmm. the brand. And For me, that's what kind of got my mind turning when it came to marketing. And ultimately, I ended up getting my MBA in marketing. And you went to the other U of M, University of Minnesota, uh, for your MBA. What made you decide to kind of pivot and go back to school? Sure. Yes, I only go to U of M's, apparently. Um, (laughs) But I agree with you. You know, there's nothing like being on that sales floor, you know, or in that hot. You are there at the point of decision and you are seeing kind of what the real life experience and consideration is of a purchase, you know, whether that's for clothing. I would, you know, I worked retail kind of growing up through high school and, you know, summers and college as well. But, um, that's why I love it. I love it too. I totally agree. Um, and there's so much to be learned like by doing to go back to school. You know, honestly, I never was, I always knew like I would be in business, you know, quote unquote. And so, um, what that meant, you know, really, really everything is business. So, um, in undergrad, I was interested in the business school until I learned that you couldn't study abroad. Um, it just wasn't part of like the timing of the program. And I said, well, studying abroad is more important. And so I'm, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And that was so important because I believe that's where you met your husband. So like shout out to those abroad programs. Hi Blake. Yeah. I'm the one who went to the South of France and met the one other Minnesotan, um, (laughs) on the program. Wasn't, wasn't part of the plan, but yeah, here we are. 
Um, so we, um, I ended up studying abroad, which was awesome. And, you know, he's kind of related to the reason why I ended up back at the U of M is we were both living in Chicago and kind of knew that Minneapolis was where we saw ourselves long-term. Um, we weren't quite ready to come back, but just like from a career standpoint and a transition standpoint, like it made sense to like, if we know we're going to be there eventually, we might as well go and establish roots. And, um, like I mentioned, when I was at Corbis, there was just this whole, you know, I wasn't laid off, but I found myself in a position where I would be working um, from home, which is now the norm. But at the time, I really wanted like that community through work and they were restructuring. And I took a look at the job and the runway and I said, you know, there's not it, there's not much more for me here. Um and so to stay in Chicago would have been, you know, starting over, you know, the next chapter of a career with the new, you know, I'd give that three to five years and we were having to move. And so we're like, let's, let's go home. And it was at that point that I started to look for opportunities and realized that going back to school would really open a lot of doors for me, especially knowing where I wanted to be. Um, University of Minnesota is really well connected. There's a ton of fortune, you know, 500 companies here. And having like those credentials um, would really open open some doors and opportunities for me. I don't think I ever realized like how many Fortune 500 companies are in the Minneapolis tri-state area. But one of them is one of my favorite retailers that I love walking the aisles when I'm stressed. And it happens to be a retailer that you worked at and it's Target. Target yep. is my happy place. When I'm on a budget, I can't go because without a doubt, you end up spending like $100 when you just need one thing. But mm. one aspect that I really love taking my time, especially now, is in the beauty section. So we'll come back to why that plays a bigger role in your life now. But mm. what was it like working for Target? Yeah, I love, I mean, I love Target. You're we're right there with you um, on all the things, but it's, um, it's an amazing company. I think um, there's, I, I wasn't, you know, I had an internship at another company and I learned, you know, very quickly that that other CPG company was not for me, you know, so it's like, it's just as important, like with the experience, what you learn about like what you don't want versus like what you do want. Right. And so I was a little skeptical to, um, put my, you know, put my hat in the game for another large corporation, but I had some friends who had interned there and they were like, you'd love it. And what, you know, they, they were right. It's an incredible community. Um, I think they really are leaders, you know, in, in the retail space, obviously, but, um, for me personally, it was this opportunity to kind of have that tangible impact that I talked about, you know, with my prior sales experience, it's, it's, um, you are as a merchant, which is where, what I, what I did when, during my time there, you're really, um, in charge of a category, right? You're driving, like, what is that experience? What are we selling? When does it go on sale? Like, how do I address white space? And, you know, um, I worked with a lot of, I worked more, I was always in home. Um, so area I was passionate about, and, um, there was a lot of owned brand development involved. So I got to partner with people who were like best in the business when it came to 
product design and development and, you know, just kind of really create together um, to continue to drive that business forward. And I loved that there was such an appetite for um, testing and learning and, you know, redirecting, depending. Um, and it was also a time when, you know, digital like was being navigated, right? How do we become like this omni-channel enterprise and what does that look like, you know, for everybody who touches this? So it was, you know, it was, it still is like an amazing company that I also go to for lots of inspiration and it is, it is dangerous. I now have, you know, I have kids and it's like their favorite pastime. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah I like, mean, <laughs> like, oh, you need to kill some time. Okay. Let's yeah, just go target. Yeah. But- yeah. It's interesting because you talked about merchandising. So when I first started my career, I worked at Old Navy in licensing Mm -hmm. around merchandising. And what I always loved is it would be mid-spring, beginning of summer, and you would start getting the holiday skews in to see like what was going to be part of Black Friday or the holidays. And it was always so fun because you could be living summer, but inside work, it's holiday season and then vice versa. So it was always like kind of fun to see how the end tables would look or the displays or what's the store's theme going to be. Yeah. And you're working so hard and then it comes alive and you're walking through the store with your friends or family and you can be like, yeah, I helped with that. It's, yeah, it's a cool it feeling. It is super cool. It is. But then you decided to take a little bit of a step back. I understand you have three kids and you were just like, now what? I'm sure it was a hard decision to step back from Target Because like you said, it had that community that you liked and that feeling, but you felt like you wanted to do something else. And I understand that you met one of your co-founders. There's three of you guys with Odell, but in business school and you guys would always kind of pitch each other ideas around businesses. I believe one was like something around babies. The other was a puzzle concept, which really would have taken off in 2020 with the pandemic. At what point did you guys decide, okay, let's really think about this and streamline our thoughts and where is that hole in the market? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was, gosh, I'm like, how many years have we known each other? I graduated from grad school in 2010. And so I did meet Britta, um, at the U of M we met, it wasn't a huge program, but we were part of like this little kind of consulting gig that um, the school would shop out to give us real world experience. Right. And so we'd get hired out by company, local companies to help solve like a problem. And um, Britta and I worked together on uh, one of those projects and realized that we were very, um, we worked really well together and we really enjoyed it. And so um, we stayed in touch as, you know, our careers, progressed post, post, uh, grad school. But, um, we always knew, I think both of us knew like, yes, like this is incredible experience to be gaining at these amazing companies that we're working with, but it's not like our long-term plan. And so, um, at the time, and I think it's changed a little bit, like there was a very linear path upon which like you were expected to advance. And I loved the merchant role, but the job after that, I was like, I'm not as motivated to be promoted to that because that's managing a bunch of inventory analysts. And that's not like my jam. Like it's not where I find my joy, you know, and obviously every role has some parts that you love and some parts that you don't, but I just, I didn't feel like, um, 
as motivated by that as I was by kind of like the unknown of what's next. And so we were, we would always kind of like, it was funny how like the life stages we were in kind of dictated. I think it was when we had both had our oldest kids were like, oh my God, this baby gear is not cute. (laughs) And you know, it's something that you have to live with in the middle of your space, no matter how big or small. And it's just like, wouldn't it be great if that was like, beautiful. Um, but again, at the time we were parenting and working, you know, in our, in our careers and we're just that kind of lost steam and our kids got older and we realized like, oh my God, there's a lot of liability that's hold the baby. And, you know, there are people who are a little more equipped at handling this challenge than we are. And since I know baby gear now is gorgeous, um, or candy. Um, and then, you know, things are busy having kids and like, um, I think I, had been a merchant for a while. I had had these amazing opportunities to help navigate, you know, what does omnichannel look like work in a few different categories. Um, and I think it was after, it was after my third where I'm like, okay, you know, like I like this takes a lot and that's what it deserves, but it's also like costing me, like, I'm kind of now giving more than I'm receiving having been in this like role for, for a while. And I, it's time to figure out what's next, but I also can't do that while I'm here and like giving my all to the job and trying to give, you know, my all to the three kids at home. And so, um, I was in a fortunate position to be able to just take a pause and just say, okay, like, you know, and I remember never forget just sobbing, telling my boss, cause it's like a hard thing to leave. There wasn't like this awful reason why, um, it was just, it was time. And, um, it was then when Britta coincidentally, you know, so I left with no plan. I enjoyed the summer and the fall. I started getting like a little like restless. Okay. Now what, you know? And, um, it was an important time too to like read, you know, you're, de- I feel like at least for, me, I was really like, I had been defined by what I did for so long. And so it was kind of like this reconciliation of like, oh, I don't do any, you know, I'm a mom and like, that should be enough. Like that's enough. Right. And so I think it was like really good and healthy time for me to just kind of reground and like, this is enough, this is important. And this is like what I'm choosing and, um, not kind of let what I did define me quite as much. Um, but again, I got a little restless come, come when fall came around and Britta had been um, consulting at another hair care company that was local and, you know, had taken them through a sale. And at the same time, you know, we'd been so in touch with each other's lives. And she was like, you wouldn't even believe like, oh my God, you know, like this, just like kind of learning about the ins and outs of the industry. And I started to take a look at the category and I'm like, well, wait, why don't I buy shampoo at Target. Like, why am I spending $40 on my salon brand? And, you know, it's not clean and it's really expensive, but that might be a function of just kind of like the distribution model that it found it in. And so, um, we started looking at the category and like I said, she had taken this company through a sale and she then had a baby and was on maternity leave. And so we kind of were like, found ourselves both free agents at the same time with like our interest peaked in a category, um, where we saw like this obvious opportunity, um, to bring, um, a very high performing product to market at like that accessible price point that, you know, met our high standards, um, for, for being. And so it wasn't till, um, 
then my third partner, Shannon, like called Britta and was also then like, okay, transitioning, um, where she's like, oh my God, we could do this so much better. And she, it was, Britta's like, well, that's funny. Cause Lindsay and I have been talking and like, she was kind of that missing there. We call it like the three were like this three-legged stool. Like she was the one who could help us get the product made into shelf. Um, so we're like, we, we could do this and we believe in it. I want to go back to something you just mentioned about how women, I know I do this. I put a lot of my self-worth and identity in my career, like what company I'm working for, how long until I get that next like career milestone or promotion. And I've also heard from a lot of women mentors and female friends I have that, especially after kids, like you kind of take a step back and go, now what? Like, who am I? What do I want to do? It was great to work for a big company, but provided me no flexibility, realistically. I know I can accomplish so much. I sit around having like drinks or dinner with friends and they're like, we should start this or we should look into this. Um, But I think a lot of women kind of go through that period, especially after you're having kids of who am I? What do I want? What did your partner, your husband and your family kind of say when you said, I'm leaving an amazing company because I got to figure some things out. And then flash forward to, I think January, 2019, where you're like, would you guys like to help with the seed round to start this like clean, you know, hair care line? What were some of those conversations like? Because I guarantee you there's listeners thinking like, I've had this great idea or I really want to take the leap, but I'm afraid to, or maybe I don't full support. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard leap to take. Right. And at the time I think I was like, I've got nothing to lose. Right. If this doesn't work, I will have learned something from it. And, um, that will help get me, you know, in retrospect to wherever I'm going next. Like I firmly believe that like all these things, you don't necessarily know how it's going to lend itself to that next opportunity, but it always does. And so from like a move standpoint, I was not doing anything. Right. And so it was either like, try something on my own or find like that next employer. And like, what is that next opportunity that feels worth my time? Right. Cause you get hyper aware of like how much your time is worth, especially when you're like handing it off your kid to somebody else to, you know, watch. And so I think it's like, um, not to say I didn't want to do, like, I knew I wanted to do something. I knew I was almost like a better mom for having also something else, but, um, it's a hard, you know, it's, it's hard. And you, you do have that reflection moment. Um, I think my family thought it was not like, not surprising. Like, of course she's going (laughs) to try to build something that's just like innate, but I'm also grateful for, to have two partners because that imposter syndrome and like talking yourself out of it or like what's happening here is like very real. And we've all taken turns kind of like passing like the baton of when we're like, you know, like somebody else then is kind of there to keep driving it forward. And so I'm like very grateful for my partners because I do think it would be incredibly difficult to do it on your own. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's bully. I think 
when we sold ourselves on the idea, we all, we believe that we were like the toughest audience, to be honest. Like if we could convince ourselves of this, like we believed we can, we could convince others and that. And so that part was a little bit easier, um, to move through and in the friends and family round. And a lot of that was came, you know, a lot of those opportunity or the, those early investors, um, and honestly, we didn't raise much were, were people that we were tapping in our network for advice. And then they're like, well, can, can I participate? <laughs> and so we're like, okay. So it was, um, I think it was once we had sold ourselves and really did our homework that the rest kind of started to fall into place. So let's talk about hair care. Mm-hmm. I know what I spend on my hair and mm-hmm. it's a disgusting amount of money. <laughs> When I actually like add it up at the end of the year, I have naturally very curly hair. I chemically relax it. Mm -hmm. I color it for so long. I think we listen to our stylist and they go, you need the $40 shampoo and the conditioner is 55 because it's just magic. And you're like, okay, sure. Like, okay. But then you're at home. Yeah. It smells great, but your hair feels like shit. As I mentioned earlier, I love going to the target beauty section. And I think target has done a phenomenal job in recent years of highlighting smaller brands, especially those founded by females or minority owners. They've really dedicated, I feel like after 2020 to highlighting those kind of brands. And Mm -hmm. I actually have two of the Odell products here because I took the quiz and everything but I remember probably like when you guys first came into Target because your packaging was so simple and Mm -hmm. I loved the cloudy muted colors on your bottles that's what like I call this color shade is like the cloudiness I like that for so long to find really clean healthcare you were either shopping on Goop Mm -hmm. which shout out to Goop love it but it's expensive or you were buying your product from like an Erwan or Whole Foods that mm-hmm. smelled like a little too granola-esque for my yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, why did you guys decide to really dive into not only clean beauty, but then also products that you have kids, your shower gets, you know, crowded or you're sharing with your husband and you're like, don't use the expensive stuff, use this stuff. Yeah your product, the whole family really can use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll take that in two parts. I think clean is one of those attributes that we firmly believe like should be table stakes. Like every brand should be clean. And I think that it's coming, it's getting to that, but it hasn't. And it especially wasn't like when we were there. And so I'd be surprised that if there are new brands that launch that are not clean, right? Because it is possible to be clean and not compromise on that performance. Um, And it might be a little more expensive, but it's like the right thing to do, you know? And so that's always part of like, yes, our core. And like, we are a hundred, like always clean, you know, safe to use, derm tested, even pediatrician tested now. Um, So for us, it's like, okay, we're clean, but that shouldn't be like what differentiates us, right? That should be hopefully what everybody has in common (laughs) moving forward, but definitely important. Um, And then I think it was like the, the inclusivity piece of it that you mentioned, um, it has, people have to see that it's like for them, right? It's like, so we address every hair type and texture, um, 
across like the entire spectrum. And that's what we tried to make really easy to navigate when it came to our product development. And so um, what you see called out on the bottle is like when you are walking down the aisle one, it's like, it was, it was, you know, it's really edited. Right. And that in and of itself, I think helps helped with our discovery out of the gates. Cause we didn't have the budget to like go big on advertising. We're like, how do we get someone to stop and pick up the bottle when they're shopping, when they're shopping the shelf. And what we did was um, really make unique formulas for every hair type and texture and call out the benefits sought by those um, most commonly sought by each hair type and texture on the front. So you could, you know, if you have curly hair, you deal with frizz and you're you're lacking moisture. You're like, oh, this delivers, you know, curl definition and shine and, you know, frizz combating properties. So you could really like in a second, understand that it's for you at the same time. Um, that insight or the pain point of having a bottle for everyone in your family, in your shower, your shower is a shared space, like whether it's with a roommate, whether it's with kids, your partner, like whoever there, that insight of like wanting to hide your good stuff because their hair isn't, you know, right for, you know, isn't deserving of your $40, $50 investment. Um, or it's not clean. It might not be safe or like, you might not be comfortable to use it on your kids. Um, it's just that inevitability though, that somebody like is going to use it, who isn't supposed to, if you will. And so we kind of removed all those barriers that may have kept you from wanting or feeling like it was okay to share it in, in the past. And so we, you know, chose a gender neutral fragrance. Um, we have a accessible price point. We have a generous proportion, you know, in terms of like the bottle. So that's what led to that. <laughs> yeah, I was when I reached out to have you come on the show, um your team was so kind. They said, "Please fill out the quiz." And I was like, "Okay." And so as I mentioned, my hair is chemically relaxed, which is not clean whatsoever, and I get that, but <laughs> okay. we're, we're we're working towards it slowly but surely. Yeah. But what I love about your product is it doesn't matter if my hair is stick straight because of the chemical treatment or even when it starts to outgrow and the curls start to come back, like I've now used it for two and a half, three months. So it's gone through like an entire hair process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, last time I went and got my hair done, my colors told me like my hair's the healthiest it's been, which Yay. is like a big thing as well as it's grown like a solid two and a half inches, which is even more important to me yeah. um, because for years I've been trying to get to grow. So what I saw then I am like so vocal about what I use for my mm -hmm. hair. And I've been telling people and they're like, wait, from Target. I'm like, yes, from Target. Yeah. Yes. Um, can you <laughs> talk about what that pitch was like? Because obviously you worked at Target, but mm -hmm. I understand you because it hadn't been two years. You weren't part of the actual pitch. You did the right thing. You were like, I'm going to remove myself and let them kind of take the meeting blind without you being in the room what was that feeling like one leading up to the pitch and then when you got the answer yeah um it's a long process <laughs> so like it was you know like I said um my partners and I started working on the concept and like viability and the opportunity and it was a lot you know it is that art and science right it was that like here we see this white space right where there is not like we don't see anyone else doing this clean, inclusive performance brand on shelf. And so that was um, 
what we wanted to address. And like, as a buyer, you're always looking how to grow your business year over year, like you're tasked with growth and you're tasked with newness. And I think that's why you see a lot of these amazing brands, like get a chance, you know, um, at target. Right. But they don't, they don't always work. And so you kind of look through and you're like, okay, here's our idea. Here's the brand. Here's how we're going to show up. And those values that we were speaking to, I think really resonated, um, at the time with how they were thinking about the category. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of trust my partner and, and just being like, all right, you got this, you know, it's like to reflect all the work. And it was, I think the meeting initially was just like, Hey, we'd love your feedback. We know you see a lot. Um, and, it came back, you know, with like, all right, like maybe like, let's get together in another few months and tell me where you guys are at. And so it was at that point that we were like, okay. And, you know, Minneapolis is this little Mecca for beauty. There's a lot of manufacturing here. And so we were able kind of to go in our backyard and reverse sell this thing, this opportunity and had a very clear idea of like, these are the products we want. This is like what, like what they need to deliver. Um, need to be EU compliant, like de really defining, right. How, how we wanted to show up with each of these products and like, don't, you know, it's literally got to be a unique formula depending on like the hair type and texture, um, with caustic goals and everything. And so, um, from there, it just started to snowball. I always love asking founders how the name came about. And I understand the story goes that you were looking uh, for a name that meant to share, because mm -hmm. as you mentioned before, you should be able to share this with anyone who gets into your shower, more or mm -hmm. less. Um, how did you end up with Odell? Because I know you were looking at several languages. Mm -hmm. And then my follow-up question is, how did you come up with the branding? Because it's so simple and classy and beautiful. And it's like you judge a book by its cover. You're not supposed to, but like you do. Yeah. And knowing how important that is, how did you guys come up with like the font and the colors mm -hmm. and how simple it is? Sure. Um well, I don't know if you know, but beauty is a really crowded space. <laughs> there are a lot of names taken out there. And so it was really um, an exercise in what's available and what feels like, you know, that it communicates these values, you know, or like attributes and, you know, do we make up a name? Is it a familiar name? Is it the name of my dog? You know, like, we're just kind of like, what? could work and then what's available. And so I think, you know, there were so many searches done and, um, so many amazing beauty brands that I hope come to life because I love the names that they've already taken, but, you know, it was really kind of like getting into that aspect of sharing, um, whether you choose to or not. But I said, you know, how do you say to share like in every language? And I just like started going down and Adele was, um, in is how you say to share in Norwegian. And we're in Minnesota. There's a lot of Swedes and Norwegians up here. And I'm like, Oh, you know, and I, and I played it like, this is how you pronounce it. And it, it sounds like Odell and the a has this little beautiful, you know, accent above it. And it was very validating when I think we talked early days we're not in H and M, but they called us. They're like, Oh yeah, we totally get it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> So it was, that's where it came about. Um, we felt like it was a great balanced, you know, strong name. Um, 
And there was, you know, we were super scrappy at the beginning and we found um, a newly formed little branding, you know, agency that had two guys who were just getting started um, with incredible packaging experience. Um, Their name was Buddy Buddy. And we went through a few concepts and, you know, saying like, this is how we want to show up. Like we are premium. Like we want to show up as prestige, but we can't afford, you know, our own custom bottle. We can't afford, you know, we need to kind of like, it needs to be simple because we are so focused on passing along the most value in the product itself, right? The rest of it has to be basic. And I think basic can be beautiful. And so that's where we found kind of like the stock componentry and um, they came up with a few different concepts and we're like that one. Um, and it, it was edited. We're like, we want this to look really beautiful in your space. Like people, you know, we are, you know, my feed is filled with interior inspiration, right? It's like people work so hard to curate that space. It's kind of like what's deserving of your shelf space, especially if it has to be out, um, like a place in your shower. And so there's something in the use that makes that more enjoyable. There's something that needs in discovery. And that's what we were really going after is something that was really pretty. Well, I love it. It looks great in my shower. And I just, like I said, I love these cloudy colors. So listeners, I'm going to not only put the link up, uh, Lindsay's show notes, but take the hair quiz. I love when brands ask me to self-define like what really works for me. And then I love seeing what they recommend because it's so powerful that you're taking my needs and applying it to your product versus your product getting applied to me. Um, I think it really is putting the customer first, which is what you want without a doubt. But like I said, you launched in 2020, January. Um, No one knew what was coming. Uh, I know I was one of those crazy people that would mask up just to go to Target to feel some set of normalcy. Those were probably my most expensive Target runs because I was sitting at home having nothing to do and just buying every face mask, lotion, like makeup trend you could find to feel good. Um, What was the first year of business like? Because I know you guys had your website for customers to come, but it takes a little while for people to catch on, but you're in target, you have beautiful branding and we're all, you know, going down the aisles as slowly as we can trying to stretch (laughs) this one outing out. So for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we built this, like we needed the scale of a target in order to deliver the value and the price point through volume, right? So we were counting on that volume in terms of placement and to be able to achieve some scale right away because it is hard to start out like direct to consumer um, only. And so I think we're really lucky in so far that they were our first re- you know, brick and mortar partner because um, they did a great job then staying like opening again. Right. And so while salons were closed, you know, that may have, I have, you know, no proof, but it's a hunch like led to additional discovery, right. As people like you were, you know, pushing the cart down the, down each aisle and just reading. (laughs) So, um, it was, I mean, it wasn't a shocking, we had built this thing like from our homes, 
right? Until then we launched and then we're like, great, let's join, you know, WeWork and then never go there. Um, so <laughs> we were not unfamiliar with having to kind of coordinate from our homes um, in the time between naps or online school. And um, it was, but we, it was scary, right? Cause we were just like, okay, what happens if like our sales go to zero? Right. And so I think like with a retailer, you're not going to like get cut the next day, but you have like that year, or you have that half a year to really see like how things pick up and how, what your productivity is versus the expectation of what your productivity should be. And so, um, I think luckily we were at target because, they're, they they were open, they got really creative in terms of like um, delivery and pickup. Um, so that that helped. It was short, the fear was short lived. And now you guys are, from my understanding, are also in Ulta and CVS. So any yeah. of the like retailers that you like to waste time at and spend dollars, like mm-hmm. as we all do, um, you're there. And it's funny because I knew you were coming on. And so I always kind of have an eye out and I saw you at my local CVS and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to be able to talk to one of the founders, yay, which was such yay. a cool moment. <laughs> Where do you see the brand going? Cause hair care, there's so much you can get into. Have you looked at not only expanding with hair care, but maybe like any skincare or body wash? Cause that is, I feel like a section that is full yeah. of junk and we need yeah. a little bit some cleaner options. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And there's a lot, like there's some new great brands out there, but a hundred percent, you know, we're positioning this brand to go into a lot of places and it's a little bit of an exercise of restraint and not being able to do all the things like right away. Right. And so it's kind of like we were exclusive at Target for three years. This is our first year at Ulta and CVS and it's awesome, you know, but we're a small team and we want to, if we do it, we want to do it right. And so, um, that's always kind of the balance of the conversation when it comes to, oh, right. Where do we go? Do we go international next? Do we, you know, we're proving ourselves out in now, you know, we mass we've done and, you know, we're still growing and specialty. Now we're learning and drug we're learning. And what about, you know, international or what about the other retailers within each of those channels? And so it's definitely like this push and pull, um, and a very thoughtful, you know, plan because we want to be in all the places and we need to uncrack digital, for example, and a way to do that profitably is, is challenging when you're frankly like a heavy product at our price point. And so, um, Yes, eventually. (laughs) And same with the category, right? It's like, I do believe that there are, um, there is so much opportunity within body care, within facial care and kind of always putting it through that Odell filter. Like, does this work as well, if not better than products that I think are two to, you know, that are two to three times the price point. Um, is this something that feels inclusive, um, and not, you know, too specific, um, and represents like the range as it should. No, I love that concept of the slow and steady because we've all seen brands that explode. They spend so much money on influencers and on digital. And then within a few years, mm-hmm. the product just isn't what it once was, or it's just not run the right way. And if you look back and think, oh, remember when that was like amazing, mm-hmm. especially with hair care, we've all seen those amazing smaller brands get bought out by larger brands. And instantly you can tell the price point has gone up, but the formula has gone down. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, we, you know, we are, we are fiercely protective and always kind of revisiting to um, making sure that it's, that it's better because it is like the goop, right? It's, if it's not, if it's, that's where the proof is, that's when, it, that's what's going to get people to come back and, and buy again. So we're always like more than just, you know, more than just a pretty package. Oh no, I love it. I will definitely be repurchasing because for the price point, my hair has never felt better, look better or grown. And I chemically treat it and color it. So for blondes, you don't need to buy into all of that bullshit around like, oh, this has to be for blonde hair or chemically treated with yours being so clean and free of silicone, which is so important. It has done wonders on my hair. And what I love too is the smell is an over. Bearing. And I understand that you also have a formula that's scent free, which mm-hmm. is so key, especially with young kids, or I know men really are very sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. How did you guys decide to do that? The yeah. scent free? Well, first of all, thank you. That was like a huge endorsement and I appreciate it because we know you see a lot. So thank you. Um, the, the fragrance free came, um, just knowing kind of the percentage of the population who has to deal with eczema or, you know, has very sensitive skin or scalp. Um, and even kind of like that rinse off fragrance, ours is hundred percent natural, but it is, it can be triggering. And so while ours isn't like an overbearing fragrance, we know that there's a large percentage of people who just can't tolerate any. And, um, that oftentimes means like you have to compromise on like the performance of the hair care itself to get kind of what is that like, dermatologist leaning clinical brand, which, you know, with hair care, like you can notice a difference. Right. And so, um, that's why we did it, you know, honestly, like personal reasons and (laughs) we believe there'd be a market for it. And, um, and there is, and, you know, you said earlier body wash, we actually do have some body wash on our site. So we haven't rounded out kind of like a full body care assortment, but we do kind of, we started within the shower and that's where another one of our fragrance free SKUs is in both hair care and body wash. And, um, you know, we put it through it's, it's, um, approved, um, by the national eczema association. So just kind of giving the confidence, like this is okay. You know, all our products are safe, but this one's extra, extra considered, um, for use. And I think that would have to be so great for young families, especially like what's going on in your kid's skin. And, you know, if it gets mm-hmm. into their eyes or any, like having that clean product, probably I would think I don't have kids, but would make you feel like, okay, good. I'm watching out for them. And we can all share it. So it's a cost savings as well as like making sure a safety thing as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, I'm really excited to see where the brand goes and watch you guys because I, as I mentioned, I am such a snob when it comes to hair care and like skincare. And the fact that I can go to Target and purchases versus having to go to a salon or anything like that is so amazing that this product exists for the consumer out there that's tired of kind of being ripped off for shampoo and conditioner. So thank you again. I end every episode with the final three questions. And the first question is, if you had a quote or mantra that you live by, what would that be? Um, I'm going to take this in two parts, right? It's like career and then like just general (laughs) 
<laughs> peoplehood. Um, career, I've always liked, and the reminder um, of it's Gilda Rodner. She said, you know, life is about not knowing, having to change, taking the moment, making the best of it without knowing what's going to happen next, that delicious ambiguity. And I think that's, you know, the scary part at times, but it's always a good reminder that you never know, you know, like your time is not wasted, whether it was doing something that was your dream job or something that was your nightmare, like it's going to lead you to kind of what's next. And you're going to be better for having had that experience, um, making those connections. So that was the first one that came to mind. Um, and then the second was, you know, I think it was just on the daily, that reminder to be more present for the things that matter and, um, give a little less about the things that don't as much, you know, it's hard. I think as a woman, as you know, you care, you know, like all the things we're like, we always say with the product was like, we thought of all the things, you know, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, but there are some that are more important than others. And, you know, especially in a time when we're so, like the lines are blurred between like work, you know, home, work, kids, this, it's just to, you know, put your phone down and be a little more present for what um, matters most um, to you. I think that's such a good reminder for all of us to be a little bit more present and not sweat small stuff more or less. Yeah, I think so too. The second question is if you could relive any one day, which day would you choose? Oh, this one, I was so hard. I don't know. I mean, obvious, not the, not my, <laughs> I was like, maybe my wedding, like in a way like that was so, I love like people and just people like having all your favorite people in the same room um, was amazing. But then that doesn't involve my kids. And then I'm like, which day would I want to relive with my kids? I'm <laughs> it's more like mini moments. Um, I think kind of the day when we got the Target award, um, for the Odell business was huge. And we didn't really, we're, we're, we've been historically bad at processing in the moment. It's only in retrospect. We're like, oh my God, did that just happen? Um, so I think reliving that and really like pausing to my earlier quote to like acknowledge and celebrate and be like, holy shit, you know, here we, here we go. Um, would be a really fun, fun day to relive. Absolutely. Cause that moment was life-changing Yeah, for you guys. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the final question is if you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, which song would you choose? Okay. This one is definitely recency bias. I just got back. Um, I took my kids to New York for the first time and we saw Wicked and I'm like, all right, it's defying gravity. <laughs> That's such a good, I like can't stop singing it. It makes me cry every time I hear it. Not that I want to be crying when I enter a room, but I just like, I love it so much. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm going to go with that one today. I'm like, if you asked me a week ago, it might've been like Eminem, but <laughs> just kind of similar. It's not really, but you know, really awesome. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and add Define gravity to the four year listening pleasure theme song playlist on spotify so listeners can hear your theme song along with everyone else um but that's exactly what this playlist is all over the place so yes it's perfect thank you again Lindsay, so much for coming on it was such a joy to speak with you and i'm so excited to watch odell grow oh thank you so much